are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. we got a good Tuesday show for you. We've got a lot of NFL to talk about. The Buffalo Bills are an enigma. We've got a Ravens statistic that'll blow your socks off. We're going to talk about the AFC standings. Who's the best team in the AFC? Right now, I don't know. We're going to talk about the Cowboys and the Commanders from Thanksgiving Day, considering how big of a game it was, ratings-wise. We're also going to talk about college football, the college football playoff, what could possibly happen this weekend, the different scenarios. We're going to talk about Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy, who should win it. And I'm going to have a thought on the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's start off in the NFL. And we're going to start in the AFC because I have a question for you. Who's the best team in the AFC? There's three teams that are eight and three, and one team's at nine and three. Ravens are at nine and three. They're on their bye this week. So they've played one more game than everybody else. Dolphins lead the AFC East at eight and three. The Jaguars lead the AFC South at eight and three. Chiefs lead the AFC West at eight and three. Um, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine, but this goes back to the most unbelievable statistic. One of the most unbelievable statistics that I shared last January, and I'm going to share it as we get closer to playoff season as well. It's just fascinating through five years, Patrick Mahomes has still yet to play a road playoff game. Eliminate the Super Bowl. The two Super Bowls, obviously, neutral sites. But every playoff game he has played in has been at Arrowhead. And right now, they're on track to be the one seed yet again. And even if Jacksonville gets that one seed, or maybe Miami gets that one seed, or Baltimore gets that one seed, if one of those teams loses and Kansas City is sitting there at the two seed, If one of those teams loses, Kansas City would have home field advantage again in the playoffs. Last year, Kansas City did not have the one seed. Remember with the whole DeMar Hamlin thing, Cincinnati and Buffalo played one less game, and it would basically worked out to once Cincinnati beat Buffalo. If Buffalo would have just beaten Cincinnati at home like everyone expected them to, Patrick Mahomes would have had to play his first road playoff game. But Cincinnati went in there and killed the Bills. So that meant that Kansas City got a home game for the AFC Championship for the second year in a row. Well, (laughs) fifth year in a row. All five AFC Championship games that they've been in the last five years have been at Arrowhead. They've never had to play a road game. Patrick Mahomes has yet to play one. And there's a good chance it could happen again this season especially if Jacksonville gets the one seed. Let's say Jacksonville gets the one and Kansas City gets the two. Jacksonville could easily lose their first playoff game because as great as their record is, people still have doubts because they watch that San Francisco 49ers game where they got absolutely trounced. You can't, you know, Kansas City could end up playing in Jacksonville in the second round of the playoffs. The Ravens could. The Dolphins could. Like, it's very possible all three of those teams could beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville. 
Jacksonville's three and three at home this year and five and zero oh on the road. Jacksonville has won their last ten road games. Ten. They're better on the road. It is crazy. What a, it's it's just a crazy stat that he's never played a road playoff game. Not saying Patrick Mahomes couldn't win on the road. It's just crazy this guy's been in the league five years and has gotten to the AFC Championship every year and has been on his home field. Nuts. The Buffalo Bills are just the biggest enigma in the NFL. You know why? Because there's only there's four teams right now. Well, there's three teams ahead of them in point differential for the year. Dallas, San Francisco, and Baltimore. Baltimore's nine and three. Dallas and San Francisco are eight and three. Baltimore has outscored their opponents by 137 points. Dallas is leading the league in point differential at 162. They've outscored their opponents by San Francisco is second at 140. You know who's fourth? The Buffalo Bills, plus 101. Yet here they are sitting at six and six. I thought it was crazy watching that Philly Buffalo game on Sunday night or Sunday mid afternoon. And we find out that Josh Allen has never won an overtime game in his life. He's 0-6 in his career now in overtime. How do you explain this? Now, I will say this for the Bills. Tons of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. They are just not good defensively, period. Josh Allen has to carry them. But he's also leading all quarterbacks in the NFL in turnovers. He also has thrown an interception in eight straight games. I'm sorry, that's not going to get it done. While he is a bear to bring down and he's got a rocket for an arm, the guy has always been too careless. And there's already been talk about this on the debate shows and stuff like that. Is Josh Allen the next Brett Favre? Where great stats, tough guy, but too careless to where he's going to be able to come through for you in numerous clutch situations. Brett Favre was a great quarterback. But for the longest time, before he had those back-to-back years where he went to the Super Bowl, beat the Patriots, then lost to the Broncos the following year, never got to a Super Bowl outside of those two years. And for the longest time, people were saying he can never win the big one because he's way too careless. And then when he finally got a running game, he was able to take a team to the Super Bowl and win it all when they beat the Patriots. Coached by Bill Parcells. Packers were coached by Mike Holmgren. Then the next year, they got back to the Super Bowl, and everyone thought they were going to blow out the Broncos because for the longest time, John Elway couldn't win the big one. And then Elway wins and beats Favre, and then Elway won it back-to-back the following year against Atlanta. So the whole thing is just, yes, Josh Allen is a top-six quarterback in this league, but is he a guy that's going to win you a game in the playoffs? Is he a guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl? Right now, I'm sorry, but that's still debatable. I don't think that question has been answered yet. All the talent in the world, but you cannot be as turnover prone as he is. And, you know, what year is Josh Allen in? Five, six? He should be getting better. He should not be in year five or six here throwing interceptions in eight straight games it's just not acceptable can't win an overtime game in his career oh and six like 
you got to accidentally win yourself an overtime game. Baltimore Ravens, like I said, 9-3. and three, Best record in the AFC because they've played one more game than the other three division winners. Leaders right now, not winners, but leaders. I didn't know this until they said it during Sunday night's game, but this was pretty crazy. Did you see where they said the Baltimore Ravens have gone 21 straight games where they haven't allowed a 300-yard passer? I mean, that's a huge deal in this day and age because we know this is a passing league. And in the AFC, the AFC has Tua Tagovailoa. They have Josh Allen. They have Trevor Lawrence. They have Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. How is this team not giving up a 300-yard passer in 21 straight games other than the obvious? They have a great defense. We get it. But, man, I didn't expect that at all. Not at all. So something to keep in mind going forward for fantasy, if any of you are playing fantasy football and you have a quarterback and you need a lot of points out of him and they're going up against Baltimore one week, maybe you go get yourself another quarterback. I don't know. And one final thought on the NFL. Did you see where Thursday's Cowboys and Commanders game drew 41 million viewers? It was the third most watched regular season game in NFL history. Regular season, not playoff, regular season game. 41 million for a Cowboys and Commanders game where the Commanders came into the game 4-7. and seven. Was it all because of Dolly's halftime show? I don't know. What was the appeal of... I know it's Thanksgiving, and obviously both games on Thanksgiving Day are going to draw because everybody's home. I get it. It's a holiday. More people are watching. Last year's game, I think, was the second highest non-regular or regular season game ever. I think it drew like 42 or 43. It was Cowboys-Giants, and the Giants were, were decent last year. But Cowboys, 41 million viewers for a Cowboys-Commanders game on Thanksgiving Day. Third highest regular season game in the history of the league. And look, been over it numerous times in the NFC. Eagles 10-1. and one. Lions lead the NFC North at 8-3. Cow, uh, Niners lead the West, NFC West at 8-3. and three. NFC South leaders right now are the Falcons at 5-6. and six. Saints are also 5-6, and six, but Falcons have the head-to-head over them. Just an awful, awful division. <laughs> Tampa Bay still not out of it. They've only had one less win than those teams. They're 4-7. and seven. They're not out of possibly winning the NFC South. So you can say, well, that five-seed really sucks because that five seed's probably going to be a 12-game winner. Well, it happened last year. Cowboys had no problem going on the road and spanking the Buccaneers. So it's probably what's going to happen again this year. Cowboys going to win 12 games probably and going to play the, I'm going to play the four seed, which is going to be the winner of the NFC South. They're either playing in Atlanta, in New Orleans, or in Tampa. Three places. Nobody's going to worry. They'll probably be another touchdown to 10-point favorite in the first round of the playoffs. Kind of have to be at this point because those teams absolutely stink. Cowboys are plus 162 in point differential this year. The Atlanta Falcons lead the NFC South at 5-6, and six, 
and their point differential is minus 19. The only team with a positive point differential in the NFC South is the Saints, and they're at plus seven. <laughs> How can you make the Cowboys less than, no less than a touchdown favorite? Assuming the Cowboys get the five seed, which they probably will. They play the, only their third team over 500 this week on Thursday against the Seahawks. Seahawks are not in a good way right now. They're probably going to beat them. And then the big game in two weeks against Philly, because what if Philly loses at home to San Francisco this week? Then Dallas is one game behind with Philly at home the following week. They could be tied. However, after that, the Cowboys go at Miami, at Buffalo, and home. Oh, I'm forgetting what it was. It's it's at, after they play. There's there's Seattle home, Philly home, and then they go at Buffalo, at Miami, home Lions. So while after the Eagles game they have at Buffalo, at Miami, home Lions, which aren't three easy games at all, Philly does the opposite because they're right now in the middle of a six-game run where in this six-game run they've already started out this hard six-game run 3-0. and Cowboys, Chiefs, and Bills, last three games. They're 3-0. and The next three, Niners, Cowboys, Seahawks. God, if they go 2-1 and in those next three, 5-1 and in that stretch, probably going to finish the season 15-2 and because they end with the Giants, Cardinals, Giants. Well, they might sit people towards the end of the season because they'll have a two- or three-game lead on Dallas if they happen to beat them in two weeks. So first time in 19 years we might have a repeat winner in the NFC East. Craziness. I don't want to spend too much time talking about the Heisman Trophy because it's such a subjective award. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think there will be three people invited to the Heisman Trophy presentation. Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels. Bo Nix of Oregon, Michael Penix of Washington, Jaden Daniels, LSU. The winner of the Heisman Trophy should be Jaden Daniels. But the problem is there's no criteria. There's nothing from the Heisman Committee or whoever votes for the Heisman that says you have to vote because of the best quarter, the best player on the best team, or the player with the best statistics, or a player on a team who did really well, but they only had one or two losses. Like, there's no criteria whatsoever. It's completely subjective. So I can't even sit here and say, if you vote Bo Nix, you know, why didn't you vote Penix? Why didn't you vote Jane Daniels? And vice versa for the other two. You can't really say it because everyone's got their own criteria. If I were to have a vote, I would say the Heisman Trophy winner is Jaden Daniels this year. Jaden Daniels leads the country in total yards, rushing yards, QBR, yards per play, total touchdowns, passer rating, NCAA record, yards per passing attempt, expected points added, passing touchdowns, plays of 20-plus yards, yards per carry, and points above average. He leads the country in 16 categories. However... I don't think Jaden Daniels is going to win the Heisman. I think voters are going to give it to the winner of the Oregon-Washington game this weekend because I'm assuming whoever wins, the quarterback is going to play well. I believe you can turn your vote in after this weekend. If not, maybe I'm blanking, but I'm pretty sure you can vote after the conference championship games. This isn't like Major League Baseball where 
they don't take into account anything that happens in the postseason, which is kind of ridiculous, but whatever. You have to vote at the end of the regular season. It's a regular season award. Is this considered a regular season award? They're not going to allow you to look at one extra game. I mean, it should be based on your body of work over 12 games, not what happens in one game. But in a close race like this, I don't think you can go wrong. If Bo Nix wins it, the guy almost completed 80% of his passes this year. I'm fine with him winning it on a team that went 11-1 and in the regular season and the only loss was by three points. I'm fine with Michael Penix winning it. Didn't he lead the nation in passing yard average per game? He's one of the most prolific passers we've seen in college football. And then I just read you Jaden Daniels' resume. I'm fine if he wins it. Like, I'm not going to be mad at it. But if the vote is allowed to happen after the conference championship games, while I think Jaden Daniels should be the Heisman Trophy winner, I think they're going to give it to the winner of the Oregon-Washington game, and that quarterback's going to get it. Just my opinion. Speaking of this weekend, look, for the college football playoff committee, this could be the easiest decision they've ever had to make. Because there is a chance after Saturday we're going to have four conference champions that are all undefeated. Michigan needs to beat Iowa. Georgia needs to beat Alabama. Florida State needs to beat Louisville. And Washington needs to beat Oregon. Is it going to be that easy? If those four things happen, doesn't matter what happens with anybody else. Even if Texas wins, they're not going to take a 12-1 Big 12 champion over any 13-0 Power 5 champion. It's not going to happen. It would be Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, Washington, and it would probably come down to seeding. Would Washington jump Florida State? Would Washington move into the three seed and Florida State go to the four seed? That would probably be the only issue. My guess would be yes, because Florida State is the weakest of those four, only because they don't have their quarterback. If Jordan Travis was there, absolutely Washington wouldn't jump them. But I think they would want a Georgia-Washington semifinal and Michigan-Florida State. So they could probably get a Michigan-Georgia national championship game, which is probably the best one we could get. Let's be honest. Now, chaos happens if, one, Alabama wins. Look, I know we can say anything can happen on any in one game, but we all are very well aware there's just really no chance Iowa is beating Michigan. They're 23-point underdogs. They're not going to win the game outright. Maybe they stick with them for a half. They're not going to beat them. But could Alabama beat Georgia? Absolutely. I don't think they will. But the line is set at four and a half. Like It's not like Georgia is a two-touchdown favorite. Alabama's gotten better and better all year long. So just because they struggled against an Auburn team does not mean oh my gosh, you could barely beat Auburn and Auburn, and now you got to go into basically Georgia's home state and beat them? Well, a couple of years ago, the same exact thing happened. Alabama struggled with Auburn, and then they went in and beat a Georgia team in the SEC championship. So, if Alabama beats Auburn, chaos. Louisville beating Florida State is certainly possible just because Florida State doesn't have their quarterback. If Oregon wins, I believe they are in, but a lot depends on what happens with the others in terms of where's the seeding going here. Oregon has a better defense, and they're playing a lot better than Washington has. But Washington seems to pull games out of their ass, and Washington just seems to have that TCU magic about them this year. Like I feel like they are this year's TCU. Doesn't mean they're going to get to the national championship game, 
But I'm just saying to get there, I could see them beating Oregon again and getting into that playoff at 13-0 Pac-12 champion. They are 100% in. But if Alabama does beat Georgia, and what if it's on a last-second field goal? The question now becomes, do you drop Georgia out of the Final Four? Even though there will be four conference winners with a same or better record than Georgia, the criteria for the college football playoff committee is the four best teams, not the four most deserving, not necessarily the four teams that won conference championships. We saw that last year. Ohio State and Michigan both made the playoff. Michigan won the conference championship. Ohio State didn't. Still got in. And everyone was saying, oh, didn't deserve to be there. And then they dropped, whatever, 40-something points on Georgia. And Georgia fans, you know, if Ohio State's kicker was competent last year, you lose in the semis, and Ohio State beats TCU in the finals. Just remember that. It's not like you ran the table over everybody. But the question becomes, do they drop Georgia out? I don't know. Is a 12-1 Georgia team with a three-point loss or a close loss in the SEC championship game to Alabama, are they going to get in over a 12-1 Texas team who wins the Big 12 championship? I think they might. For the longest time, I just assumed the winner of Georgia-Alabama was in and the loser was out. Well, if Alabama loses, they're definitely out. They're not making the Final Four as a two-loss non-SEC champion. But if Georgia loses a close game and it's their only loss in their last 29, in their last 30 games, I know you're not supposed to include past seasons, but this is the two-time defending national champion. If they lose a close game in the SEC championship to Alabama, I think people are still going to say, if we're really looking at the four best teams, the Georgia Bulldogs are one of them. I think they make it. Now, if Alabama wins by a touchdown or more, I think you can make an argument, hey, they had their chance. Shouldn't have lost. But I don't think Alabama's beating them. So it could be a moot point. But, man, it's going to be interesting if Georgia loses, especially if they lose close. Because let's, let's, be, let's be real here. Michigan's getting in, and I think the Oregon-Washington winner is getting in. And if Florida State wins, they're in. So you'd have Michigan, Florida State, the Oregon-Washington winner, and that fourth team. If Bama beats Georgia and Texas beats um, Oklahoma State, it's going to be between who's better, Georgia at 12-1, non-SEC champion, or Texas, Big 12 champion, (laughs) 12-1. I think they're taking Georgia. I also think they're taking Alabama (laughs) – if the deciding factor is, are we taking a 12-1 and SEC champion in Alabama if they happen to upset Georgia, or a 12-1 and Texas team that's a Big 12 champion, even though the head-to-head in Week 2, Texas won at Alabama. Best win of the year so far, I think. However, if Alabama beats Georgia, that now becomes the best win of the year, and I think that's why they'll take them. And it's just going to absolutely infuriate Texas fans They have a right to be mad because it's just like, great, then why do we even play a tough team in the non-conference if head-to-head doesn't even matter? We literally end up with the same record. We're both conference champions. We beat them head-to-head, and you're saying they're getting in over us? Yes, (laughs) they will. I really think they will. And I also think that next year it won't even matter because next year all these teams would make it. Next year 
the conference championships are really going to be a moot point unless you have some three-loss team that happens to win the conference championship. But next year, I mean, you look at the top eight in the college football playoff heading into this past weekend, Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, Ohio State, Oregon, Washington, Texas, Alabama, they're all in, in ne- under next year's format. All of them. No matter what happens in the conference championship games, they're in. So, and I like it. I, I know it's going to devalue the regular season a little bit. We'll devalue conference championships a little bit. But we're going to get better games in the playoffs. We're going to get good matchups in the playoffs that I'm all for. I know I'm, I don't know if I'm in the minority, but I know a lot of people are just like, ugh, that's too many teams. It's going to devalue the regular season, which is what college football has always been about. They have the best regular season because every game is basically a playoff. Mm, Not necessarily, but getting 12 teams in, and it looks like they're going to go to a 5-7 model, meaning the five best conference champions and seven wild cards. I'm fine with that. You can't have six conference champions guaranteed anymore because the Pac-12 isn't a conference next year. So you're going to have your SEC champion, your ACC champion, your Big Ten champion, your Big 12 champion, and then the highest-ranked other conference champion, whether it's out of the MAC, whether it's out of the AAC, whether it's out of, you know, maybe there's another conference that has a very high-ranked team. I don't know. Sunbelt, it's possible. But that'll be, that team is probably getting the five seed. And they'll play the 12, and they'll probably not even be favored. You know, if it's like Air Force, you know, I I don't even think that guarantees them the five seed. I think it just guarantees they get a spot. So, yeah, maybe they wouldn't necessarily get the five seed. But, yeah, next year is going to be weird because this weekend, as important as it is to us this weekend, if you take these same games and put them in next year's, After Thanksgiving weekend slate of games, they just mean way less because probably both teams that are playing are going to get into the playoff. I was talking about this with my friends. It's possible Ohio State and Michigan play three times next year. What if both of them go 11-0 in the regular season and then the 12th game is at Ohio State next year because it was at Michigan this year, so they rotate. And let's say Ohio State wins the game. So... Remember, next year, Big Ten is getting rid of their divisions. They're just taking the top two teams in the Big Ten. They'll have 18 teams. What if those are the only two undefeated teams again? Now, granted, both of them have a very tough schedule because now you add UCLA, USC, Washington, and Oregon to those Big Ten. But let's just say it happens. Both are 11-0. Ohio State wins in the final game of the season. And then they play a rematch the following week. And let's say Michigan wins. Now Michigan is a... 12-1 12-1 and one Big Ten champion. Ohio State would be 12-1 and one non-Big Ten champion. They're both making the playoff. So they could technically play again in, they wouldn't play in the quarters, but they would technically play again or could play again in uh, the, in the semis or the national championship. That would be crazy, but it is possible because they're getting rid of their divisions. I mean, shit, it could be, it could be USC and Oregon or Washington, Oregon. It could be anybody because all these conferences are getting rid of their divisions. So you might have two undefeated teams playing in the last game of the season. I only chose Ohio State and Michigan because they always play in the last game of the regular season. I haven't seen the other schedules to know. So I know that, that those two play in game 12. So it is possible. You can't rule it out.
Anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. Tell your friends about it as well. Be back tomorrow with another Sports Daily as we continue. I'm going to get to my Ohio State-Michigan point that I haven't gotten to in two days. And I'm going to go over the college win total over-unders, which I haven't gotten to in the first two days of this week. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.